Hi, I'm Jeremiah Johnston. Here's the podcast for The Jeremiah Johnston Show. And don't forget, if you want your question read on the live show, go ahead and send it to me at www.askjjj.com. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Welcome to The Jeremiah Johnston Show, combining cutting-edge biblical scholarship with meaningful, thought-provoking discussions and practical answers to your questions. It's time to own your faith and be a Christian thinker with our host, author, Bible scholar, apologist, and president of the Christian Thinker Society, Dr. Jeremiah Johnston. Welcome to the Jeremiah Johnston Show. I'm so excited to have you joining us today across Faith Radio Network and our podcast. We have a fantastic broadcast in store for you. I am so excited also to report to you that we had a phenomenal event this week in Denver, Colorado. I want to thank you so much for praying for me. I asked you on our last broadcast to please pray for me. Speaking in the Denver Tech Center this past Tuesday night, we had a tremendous turnout. I spoke on the subject, unimaginable, what our world would be like without Christianity for an hour and then took questions. We probably could have been there all night, but took questions for over 30 minutes from the audience, met tons of people before, during, and after the event. Had a tremendous experience. I want to thank you so much for praying for our ministry um, because it's multifaceted. Obviously, it's the radio partnership that we have here on Faith Radio Network. It's live events, publishing, resourcing, equipping God's people, standing up on the front lines, being a tip of the spear for Christianity. So thank you so much for praying. Earlier this summer, in an event partnered with the Colson Center, I was speaking in Bay Harbor, Michigan, and had the opportunity to spend time with a good brother in Christ, Pastor Chris Brooks. He joined me speaking on stage. His message, friends, was so phenomenal that I invited him to join us on the broadcast today because I want to talk about why God loves cities, what God's doing in urban communities, and what we can learn from Pastor Chris Brooks. So I want you to stay tuned. I've got some great questions. I want to talk to him about a debate he had also uh, with an author uh, that even suggests we should actually leave the cities and we should form, form cloistered communities away from urban environments. I'm excited to ask Pastor Chris Brooks about this. So we're coming right up on the other side of this break. Great conversation today that's going to inspire and encourage and resource your faith. Stay with us. This is the Jeremiah Johnson Show. Hey, everybody. I'm so excited to have someone who I have just come to love as a brother in Jesus Christ, somebody who has been so encouraging to me as a Christian leader. His name is Pastor Chris Brooks, and you're probably familiar with him because he has a nationally syndicated radio show on the Moody Radio Network that is so fabulous, and it's called Equipped with Chris Brooks. You have to sign up for this show however you listen to your media, do the podcast, listen live. He's on every day across the Moody Radio Network. Uh, But Pastor Chris and his family are just tremendous people. He is a great preacher of God's Word, a teacher of the Word of God, an excellent Christian thinker. He's senior pastor of the Woodside Bible Church, which is a multi-site congregation across the metro of Detroit. Uh, And I also want you to connect with him on social media because uh, one thing I love about this program is we're always resourcing believers. You need to connect with Pastor Chris Brooks on Facebook. Twitter is Pastor C.W. Brooks, and then the number one, but also follow his Twitter handle for his radio show, Equipped with Chris Brooks, and then go ahead and check him out on Instagram as well. Pastor Chris, thanks so much for joining us today on the broadcast. Man, what a joy it is, and everything you just said about me, I just say a hundredfold back to you, brother. 
<laughs> you are a blessing and a gift. And, you know, there's a lot of uh, folks who are out here uh, standing up and speaking uh, on behalf of Christ and the gospel who do a great job of speaking to the head, the intellect, and praise God for them. Very few know how to speak to the head and the heart. And you have uh, just kind of mastered that skill. God has graced you in that <laughs> well, way. Thank so you. I'm grateful. Well, thank you. Um, Chris, I want you to talk because, and by the way, I want to welcome everyone across the Faith Radio Network listening in the Central and Eastern Time Zone. If this is the first time you've joined us on this broadcast, you definitely want to check out. We have guests like Pastor Chris Brooks on every single week, and what really guides the conversation are the questions that we receive from you via AskJJJ.com. So thanks so much for so many of you who are submitting questions every day that help us architect these programs. Chris, I have received hundreds of questions with individuals who just struggle with the call of God on their life. Is God calling me out to ministry? How do I know? What do I do? And one thing I want to delve into is you have this amazing family and multifaceted ministry. You're a senior pastor of, as I mentioned, Woodside Bible Church, and you're a nationally syndicated radio show. But take us back. How did you come to faith in Christ? Who discipled you? How did you get into what you do now? Well, man, you know, I'm so glad that you um, brought up the fact that we all have a story and that we do need to remember that story. And I just want to say as an aside, it's so important that us, that uh, as parents, we tell our kids this story of how we came to Christ and how we were discipled. A lot yes. of times the next generation knows that we're, uh, that we believe in God, that we're serving the Lord, but they may not know why. So for me, I was born and blessed to be born into a Christian family, and that is huge. And I count that as a blessing. I'm a third-generation preacher. But don't allow that to cause you to believe that I didn't have my season of doubt. I had strong seasons of doubt. As a matter of fact, I remember uh, a season where the nation of Islam seemed extremely appealing to me. Growing up in the inner city, African-American context where there's a lot of brokenness, a lot of institutional inequities, you know, there are these voices in our community that uh, point us to uh, a sense of liberation and and a sense of uh, trying to find identity in our ethnicity, ethnocentric religion. And so that was Mm. appealing to me for a season. And uh, I have my own questions, but I remember as a young man, my mother uh, had us in church. My brother and I seemed to be rebelling. I had doubts that had arisen in my mind. And I remember someone giving me a copy of Josh McDowell's More Than a Carpenter. And, wow. man, I can't tell you how powerful that little book is. So here I am questioning a lot of things about my faith. As a matter of fact, I was taking in, uh, in my public school a literature class that was on Greek mythology at the time. Interesting. And I had a teacher who was an atheist who kind of thought Christianity was maybe a helpful myth, but that's all it was. It was mythology, mm. like Egyptian mythology or Greek mythology. But Josh McDowell's little book, More Than the Carpenter, helped me to understand that there were strong, well thought through reasons to believe and follow Jesus Christ. And then there's obviously the testimony of other believers and the way that they lived out their faith in front of me. I ended up being discipled by a youth pastor, Eugene Broadway, who uh, discipled me for eight years and praise God for those who see youth. And I remember him saying to me that, Chris, uh, I'm going to loan you my faith in you until you can develop your own faith in you. But I believe one day God's going to use you. 
And he did that. And he poured the word of God in me. I lived practically at his house every day. And it was Mm -hmm. as a result of uh, that relationship that I discovered calling and pursued that. Wow. And then, and then, you know, how did you come to know that it was senior pastor, pastor, teacher, media? How did you, because you have such a gift, Chris. I mean, you, friends, I want to make sure that uh, for those of you that are just joining us, my guest today is Pastor Chris Brooks. He's senior pastor of Woodside Bible Church, and he's also a nationally syndicated radio host equipped with Chris Brooks on Moody Radio Network. Um, You have this great ability for media, and you have the gift that so many don't have, the gift of brevity. (laughs) You have the gift to really make a point. I love it. I don't know if my Um, kids would agree with you. (laughs) (laughs) So take us through now. You I love that. Eugene said, I'm going to loan you my faith until yes. you develop your faith. Wow, I love that. And I love yeah. I love the the role of apologetics and discipleship in your in your formation. Yeah. Yeah. I know that, you, but how did, what were the next steps to get to where you are now? Yeah, I will say this. It's kind of a threefold step, and I think this is true for any calling. Number one is theology. It was studying the Bible. I remember that uh, Eugene Broadway, that youth pastor, gave me an, a, an assignment as a 13-year-old first assignment was I want you to hand copy the book of Proverbs. And I Mm. thought to myself, like, man, we got a photocopier right there. Why do you need me to do that? (laughs) Uh, But he was trying to drive home the words of wisdom in that book. And uh, I kind of felt like the karate kid, wax on, wax off. Why am I doing this? Right. But it was later that I realized that word, have I hidden my heart that I might not sin against you? So it's as I'm copying scripture, and this became a habit for me, that uh, the Great Commission is really ingrained in my heart, and I realize the implications of it. The implications of the Great Commission is that I need to be a witness for him. And so from theology came evangelism. And it's Mm. as you're evangelizing, as you're sharing your faith, that it really comes alive. I think that people who have a faith that they're not sharing really become bored with it pretty quickly because The faith is not meant to just simply be something that we rehearse back and forth to each other, but we need to share it on the front lines. And so it was as I was evangelizing that I was coming into contact with different faiths, different religions, questions and doubts that people have, and it drove me to apologetics. So theology produced evangelism. Evangelism drove me to apologetics. And the rest, as I say, is history. As I try my best to be a faithful witness, others recognize that call. And I think that calling is both a product of our own internal sense of God working in us, but also a recognition of someone else. If no one else recognizes your ministry, then something's wrong. But as Mm -hmm. others did, opportunities came for me to pastor, to speak, to train, and to ultimately um, do radio and other media outlets. But what is most important to me still to this day, at my core, what I simply want it's for people to know this Jesus that transformed my life. I love it. Um, Chris, I, I like to ask gentlemen like yourself who are busy doing the Lord's work, what's the first ministry role you ever had? <laughs> man, I love my, to study that with Man, with, with my friends. first ministry role, now this is funny, is this youth pastor said to me, Chris, what I want you to do is you set up the, the youth room every day. Uh, that we had service. So every midweek service, I would come in, set Bibles out on the chairs. I would vacuum the carpet. I would make sure that the handouts were printed. It was my job just to make sure I was kind of like a glorified janitor. It was my job just to make sure the room was set up. (laughs) And I did that faithfully. I set out the Bibles. I vacuumed the carpet, made sure the room was neat and in order. 
made the copies, put them on a desk in the back. And while I was doing that, I was praying and uh, God was testing my character. Because I think that what we have to understand is that the fruit of the spirit is far more important to God than the gifts of the spirit. Yes, you, that you is can be good. gifted, but you need fruit and you need to show that you have love and, and that produced in your heart. And that comes through faithful submission and service. Chris, I want to ask you something. By the way, we have that in common. Um, my first ever ministry role was this. I was the leader of the set up teardown crew of a church plant. And, <laughs> and then not only did I have to, you know, there were a lot of chairs. I thought, oh, my gosh, I, I've got to recruit some people. And I didn't really I went to a public school. I played football. And so I, I rec- and I, I played up even though I was a, anyways, I, I invited a lot of my football friends to join me and then they were setting up and tearing down and Chris, a couple of them were hung over from a party the night before. I'll never forget wow. this. And, uh, and you know what? They stayed for church. They stayed for the donuts. So it became an evangelism opportunity, <laughs> but that was my, that was my ministry, you know, never began on a platform or, yeah. you know, and my yeah. dad was a pastor. So, you know, that was like double over, you know, he had to be convinced. Absolutely more than anyone that I was really called. And <laughs> and I want you to talk about this for a moment because this, this character-building element, we have about two two and a half minutes left sure. before our first break. Friends, if you're just joining us on Faith Radio Network, I'm so glad to have you, especially for today's broadcast with my good friend, Pastor Chris Brooks. Check out his radio show and definitely check out his messages. If you're in the Detroit, Michigan area listening to us, go listen to his preaching at Woodside Bible Church. Chris, I've had some people come up to me, and it's happening more regularly, and they say, I want to do what you do. And um, it's always interesting when someone says that to me, because I think that God has called us all to do things. We need to know what our lane is. We need to not be copycats. Um, and, And I just want you to talk for a moment about the nature of character building steps. And, and one thing, and I hope you don't mind me just being really frank with you. Someone recently said, I want to do what you do. Cause you know, I want to sell books and sign books after I speak. Yeah. Yeah. And that yes. so grieved me when I heard yes. that pastor Chris, cause I thought, wait, wait a minute. That is like the last thing on the, on the totem pole. Yeah. Uh, ministry is character building. It's about touching lives, being a servant. Can you just yes. talk about that for a moment? Yeah. I think that people who uh, see that side of things, misunderstand the enormous cost that comes along with this. Uh, The fact is, is standing for truth will cause a lot of people not to like you. That's Uh, right. I've never had more people dislike me than when I've stood for Jesus. And, uh, and, And this is why we need character. We need to know that we're in this because of our desire to honor God in all things. The reformers used to say it this way, soli deo gloria the glory of God in all things. That's what we're seeking. One of my life verses is 1 Corinthians 10, 31. Paul writes, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. That's my Mm -hmm. heart. That's my passion. That's my desire. Now, the way we prove this is by how we live our lives outside of the spotlight. How do we live our lives outside of the public moment? And here's what I would encourage everyone to determine in their heart who wants to do public ministry. Make a decision that I refuse to be a public success and a private failure. So you need to test your maturity by those who see you not on front of the stage, but behind the curtain. This is why spouses become important, children become important, parents, family, friends, loved ones, because they will test your heart and help you to see where there may be pride. Don't overlook the small assignments. All those things you just named, I will steal 
be a part of the setup and breakdown crew today. That's right. If Amen. that's what I need to do, because ultimately I am here to support the church and advance the gospel. It's not about me. It's about Jesus. Friends, you see why I love his teaching, his heart, his ministry. We've got to jump to a break, but in 90 seconds, I want to invite you to listen to firsthand from the from the speaker. Um, you mentioned you may have listened to a previous broadcast uh, where I interviewed and discussed this amazing event we did over the summer in Bay Harbor, Michigan. Chris gave the final message in that event. It was so powerful. I'm going to be talking about it. Stay with us. We'll be back. You're listening to the Jeremiah Johnston Show. Back in 90 seconds. Welcome back to the Jeremiah Johnston Show. Thank you so much for joining us. And I want to thank all of you who are being so generous with your feedback, your comments. Um, those of you who are listening to these broadcasts and sharing them on social media. Thanks also for the reviews we're receiving on social media. I'm delighted by uh, the reviews we're le- receiving on this podcast. I'm delighted that God is using this in a spiritually discipleship and form- formative way in your own life. Uh, we have joining us today... A dear friend, someone who's become a dear friend of mine, Pastor Chris Brooks. He's pastor of the Woodside Bible Church, uh, which is a multi-site congregation across the metro Detroit area. He's also a phenomenal, phenomenal preacher of God's Word. He has a great radio show that's on daily on Moody Radio Network. I want to encourage you to check it out. It's called Equipped with Chris Brooks. If you check out all of his social media, you'll see that he's constantly putting up resources that equip you in your Christian life. Um, pastor Chris, I want to just share with you, I, I devour sermons. I just, I love listening to great (laughs) preaching and teaching, thought-provoking messages. Um, We were together, we shared the platform earlier this summer at an event with the Colson Center of Christian Worldview in Bay Harbor, Michigan, and you gave the final message, and it was so powerful, it was so challenging. Can you talk to us about why you chose that message and just your heart behind it? Well, you know, we uh, overall, we're dealing with the topic, is Christianity good for the world? And let me just say, what you did was amazing, and, and our friend John Stone Street, as yes. well as Emily Colson, each one of us kind of passed the baton to each other. And what we try to do is to ask the question, can we make the case that Christianity is good for the world and for various segments of our world? And the particular segment I'm concerned about is, is Christianity good for our community or our communities? Yes. In particular, growing up, again, in an urban inner city environment, It's one of those questions where, to put it kind of bluntly, does God care about the hood? Does God care about Mm -hmm. what's happening in my neighborhood? Does God care about what's happening in, in our sector of society? Now, this was not simply meant for those in an urban inner city environment, because I think that all of us want to know whether or not God cares about what's happening in our community. We are not deists. And what that means is that we don't believe in a God who simply created and didn't put the world on cruise control. Our understanding of God is that he is both transcendent, meaning that he is above and separated from his creation. He is the creator of all things. He is not the creation itself. He is the creator, but he is also imminent, meaning that he Mm. is involved, very much involved in, in the affairs of of human life. And so I wanted to make that argument. I wanted to make the case that God is involved and that he cares about what's happening in our community. I also wanted to make the case of the good that Christianity has done hands down. No group, no demographic, 
No group throughout history has done more to bring good and blessing to the world than Christians. Now, we have to own our faults. We have not been perfect. That's the verdict for the church. But what is uh, absolutely true is when disaster strikes, when there is brokenness in a community, when there is need to help the marginalized and the weak, it has been Christians over and again risking our lives, sacrificing our resources to be there to show the love of Christ to a broken world. And then lastly, what I wanted to do is to be able to say, in light of this, how now shall we live? In light of this, how should we live? Both non-Christian, how should you respond to this? Knowing that Christianity has been the good of the world. And then secondly, for those who are Christians, how then should we model and emulate the life of Christ in our own lives? Chris, someone tweeted to me earlier this week, and they said, well, the world will be much better when religions die off. And your message is such a... a an unimpeachable rebuke to that tweet that was sent to me that the world will be so much better when religions die off. Guide us by the hand, if you would, about some of the ways in which the church is making a difference right now in communities across America. You think about um, hurricanes and uh, tornadoes that sweep through places like Joplin, Missouri, or Houston, Mm. Texas, or New Orleans, Louisiana, and you ask the residents there, who's the first on the scene? I remember uh, recently when a hurricane uh, went through Texas, uh, reading a USA Today article that talked about how the church was there responding before the government showed up. Oftentimes, we are beating FEMA to these locations. And then you think globally, who can forget how Christians ran into Liberia, Africa when Ebola broke out? risking our own lives, doctors risking their own lives. As a matter of fact, one of our campus pastors, his mom has a phenomenal story. As a medical professional herself, she was one of seven who uh, contracted Ebola. While she, mm. was, while she was there ministering to the needs of others, was airlifted back here, praise God, she was able to recover fully at the hospital at the University of Georgia, but she risked her life. Why? For her faith. This is the type of ethic that Christianity has. When it comes to medicine, you know, one of the points that John Stone Street made in this thought of uh, the uh, Declaration of Independence, we read these words that we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, right? Well, what is evident, John highlighted this, is that uh, physically, uh, socially, financially, all men are not equal. So why should we expect equal treatment? Why should we expect that a a medical system would care for us? Well, it was Christianity that introduced the intrinsic value of all human beings to the world. It's in the gospel. It's the ethics of the gospel, Old Testament scriptures and new, Judeo-Christian value, that every human being created in the image of God carries value. So if you like being able to be seen equal in the eyes of the law, if you like receiving care uh, for who you are and not just based off of your social economic class, if you like justice, if you like equity, then praise God for Christianity. If you don't like those things, then you wouldn't be a fan of Christianity. But I'll close with this, that everywhere Christianity has been exported around the world, the rights of women have improved, literacy reading and uh, and uh, work skills have improved. The rights for children have improved. 
Why is that? Is because Christianity has been shaped by the gospel of Jesus Christ that we lay down our lives for others to experience the grace of God. Excellent. Friends, we're, we're joined today on the Jeremiah Johnson Show on Faith Radio Network by Pastor Chris Brooks. Um, I'm loving this. So much wisdom he's dropping on this program today. So much so that I want you to connect with him on social media and connect with his radio show, Equipped with Chris Brooks. Chris, um, and we're just talking about, Chris and I had the privilege to speak together in Bay Harbor, Michigan over the summer, a dynamic night of ministry where we answered the question, is Christianity good for the world? It may be true, but is it really good for the world? And Chris Chris provided the final message where he challenged us to love our cities well. And in fact, I wrote down a quote on the notes on my iPhone while he was preaching and teaching. He said, God places his people in the hearts of cities and cities in the yeah. hearts of his people. And Pastor Chris Brooks has, a, has an, what I would say an informed opinion about this because he is, pra- he is um, pra- practicing ministry yeah. in a thriving congregation in Detroit, Michigan, ladies and gentlemen. So, Chris, what are ways we can love our city better for the many Christian leaders um, who are listening to you right yes. now, especially in our podcast? Yeah, I love it. Well, number one, we can adopt a city theology which means that God cares for cities, that he has called us to love our neighbor and the neighborhoods that we're in. Uh, Jeremiah 29 and 7 tells us to uh, pray for the welfare of the place or the city that we were in, that we're in. Uh, the Israelites were called to do that. And I extrapolate that into uh, at least a bare minimum way we could see the world is that we need to pray for the welfare of the cities that we are in. We recognize that we're sojourners in these cities, but we need to pray for the welfare of them. And then secondly, I would just encourage uh, leaders to embrace the the call to creative evangelism. And what I mean by that is that we need to think about how we can bring to the world what's never been brought to the world. We need to think about how do we curate the good that has come before us in cities, caring for them, just, not not just our own bottom line, not just how many people are in our Sunday school programs or on our Sunday weekend services, but caring for the welfare of the city as stewards of God's grace in communities. But then also we need to think very deeply about how do we create something that is wonderful, welcoming, and beautiful that maybe has never been created before. God has called us to not just be consumers of culture, but creators of culture, and by his grace, we can. You discussed, um, I love it, Chris, thank you so much. You discussed that lack of, uh, that poverty is in part a lack of positive relationships in yeah. cities. Can you, yeah. can you um, explore that? Yeah, that's such a huge point, and obviously all of these merit 45 to uh, sure. three-hour-long discussions, but this whole point on poverty, I will just simply say this. Any medical professional will tell you that diagnosis determines treatment. If you misdiagnose the problem, you'll mistreat it. Well, we've misdiagnosed poverty as simply be- being a lack of money. How do we know that? Well, you ask anyone who's poor, and they will tell you that what they want is more than just money. They want dignity. They want love. They want access mm. to relationships and opportunity. You also check the gospel and what it tells us about our own spiritual poverty. It's, it's a result of being disconnected from the greatest relationship of all a relationship with our creator, a relationship with our redeemer, Jesus Christ. And so I would argue that the proper definition is a, of poverty is a lack of positive relationships, starting with the most important relationship, and that's a relationship with the one who created and redeemed you. And once we have that in place, and then we begin 
to connect with the local church. We exchange those broken relationships for holistic relationships. Isn't it interesting, Jeremiah, that when sin comes into into the world, the relationship between Adam and Eve is broken? The relationship between Adam and God is broken. The relationship between Adam and mm-hmm. nature is broken. And even Adam's own personal, interpersonal relationship with himself is broken. But when Christ comes, he restores all of that. He restores men's relationship with God, with one another, with creation, and even with ourselves. We serve a relational God, and that's how we fix poverty. I love this. Pastor Chris Brooks, friends, teaching us how we can love our cities well and have thriving ministries in urban in urban context. You talk about, and I, I just love this because it's really, it's speaking to something that's on trend today, social justice, social justice yeah. warriors, but you're really saying it, it goes much deeper than that to our spiritual DNA, yes. poor, lost without Christ. And discuss for a moment, if you would, and, and I, I would love to learn more from you on this. I hope you write about this, how the church has been misdiagnosing poverty. Yeah, I think that what we've done is we've kind of placated to sociopolitical philosophies that are deeply rooted in humanism instead of deeply rooted in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's when we understand things through the lens of the biblical worldview. And I, and I will tell you this, Jeremiah, I will never forget uh, it was about uh, 10 years ago now, I was sitting in a conference on, on a Christian view of economics when I was confronted with the reality that my Christian worldview went right up to the border of my views on politics and economics, but it did not intrude that. I had mm. inherited my views on politics and economics, my political, socio-political worldview. I'd inherited it from my community, from my family. I'll never forget uh, my grandmother telling me how to vote and what to think, right? Yep. <laughs> but then you go through the process of looking at these things through the lens of Scripture, and you come to the conclusion that there are two causes for poverty that the Bible gives us. One is institutional inequity. That's when uh, those... Uh, individual sins of humanity are codified in laws and government, and institutions do behave badly at times when they are governed by evil men. And, mm. But then the second cause is individual iniquity. And we have to be able to address both within the heart and the context of the gospel, and it comes by not only proclaiming that Christ is Lord, but living that out where God gives us platform and opportunity for leadership. And so, yeah, that's my heart, and I hope that the church gets a hold of that. I love it. Friends, we've got to step away for a 90-second break, but we're talking to Pastor Chris Brooks. I hope that you are enjoying this discussion as much as I am, and I want to encourage you right now to subscribe to Pastor Chris Brooks' radio show. Just go check it out. It's over on the Moody Radio website, Equipped with Chris Brooks, and you're going to see that he is just doing such a fabulous job interviewing guests and confronting questions that culture asks about our faith, doing so in a winsome way and very informed faith, practical ways as well. Um, so definitely check that out. And then as I've mentioned in the first segment, if you're in the Detroit area, definitely go check out his church, Woodside Bible Church. When we come back, I want to ask Chris about a book that's making the rounds that suggests that we need to retreat from the cities. We just need to move away, and it's called the Benedict Option. I'm interested to hear his perspective uh, because he's winning people to Christ in urban environments. You're listening to the Jeremiah Johnston Show. This time is going way too fast. We'll be back with our final segment with Pastor Chris Brooks. (music) 
Welcome back to the Jeremiah Johnson Show. Thanks so much for tuning in today across Faith Radio Network, both in the Central and the Eastern Time Zone, or their podcast, wherever you're listening to this broadcast from. I'm delighted that in the last few weeks, we've now made this podcast available wherever you listen to podcasts, Stitcher, Overcast, even on Alexa. I'm so thankful uh, for all the people that are tuning in. I'm thankful also for the ways in which you're submitting testimonies to us through our social media, ChristianThinkers.com, for how the Spirit of the Lord is using these conversations to deepen your own faith. So this is another one of those great conversations. If you're just joining us right now, I've been having I've been joined by Pastor Chris Brooks, an incredible Christian thinker, a great man of God who is pastor of the Woodside Bible Church in Detroit, Michigan area, multi-site congregation. And I listen to him. I feel like I talk to him all the time because I listen to his radio <laughs> show regularly on Moody Radio Network. It's a daily nationally syndicated program called Equipped with Chris Brooks. You definitely want to add that to your podcast file. Listen to him live if you have a Moody Radio station near you. Pastor, you you have a thriving congregation, Woodside Bible Church in the Detroit metro area, and I want to ask you about a book called The Benedict Option, That, mm. and, and I know that you don't have the benefit, likely, of probably having read it, but the, 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 oh, the synopsis, yes, yeah, so your, the synopsis of the book, for the benefit of our audience, and I've been asked about this recently, is, you know, in this day when we're living in this, po- even beyond postmodern, this triggered society, uh, this, ar- this author argues that we need to be like St. Benedict of the 6th century. We just need to retreat. Um, we need to retreat away from urban environments. We need to retreat to the forest. We need to create a new way of living. For and we need to essentially cloister ourselves. Um, I want to ask, what, what's your response to that? Yeah, actually, it was about two, maybe three years ago that I was invited to debate our good brother Rob Dreyer, who wrote that book. Oh, so I, did, pu- I had no idea. <laughs> yeah, we had a this. public debate about this, and wow. uh, let me just affirm first off that uh, Rod is a is a, is a good brother. And I appreciate him, even though I disagree with him on this point. Yeah, you're right. I think that uh, this thought of retreatism, though tempting, is antithetical to the gospel. We we see in Matthew chapter 28, verse number 19, that we have been called to go into the nations and make disciples on Christ's behalf. The Bible is never a um, a call to cloister or to cut ourselves off from culture or society. We have to get into the throes of it, into the thick of a fallen world, uh, trusting in the strength of the gospel and proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. Imagine if his earliest disciples uh, did that. And in part, I believe that they probably would have uh, done that mm. in Jerusalem. They probably would have stayed in that upper room and they had sweet That's fellowship right. at the temple every day. But praise God for Acts 8 and 1, where a strong persecution comes upon a church and drives them out of their comfort zone. And the scripture says, and everywhere they went, they proclaimed the name of Jesus. This is what God has called us to do. We are called to proclaim the name of Christ. So I think a better option than the Benedict option is the Clapham option. And many of your listeners may be familiar with the Clapham sect. And uh, William Wilberforce and those others Mm. who came together to engage society by arousing their moral imagination, not only around slavery, though that was uh, one of the leading issues, but their uh, activity gave birth to the Victorian age. Their, uh, uh, Their response to culture, engaging culture, gave birth to a new wave of uh, of ethics. And so I believe that we're called to engage 
Uh, now, where I will agree with our, our brother is that we need to make sure we have a deep, sticky faith, not something yes. that is shallow, but something that's in our bones. And the way that we do that is through discipleship that is home-based and centered around homes. We have uh, celebrated the public gathering of worship, and praise God for that, but we also need to celebrate the small group that gathers in homes to be able to discuss how now shall we live, to encourage one another, pray for one another. As we do that, then our faith will be deep, and we'll be able to offer something to the world. Again, friends, our, our guest today is Pastor Chris Brooks, who's joining us on the Jeremiah Johnston Show. Thanks for joining us, Chris. I, I, I had no idea that you had debated and dialogued with Rod Dreher, the author of The Benedict Option. Yes. And I'm, I, I was thinking about you this week uh, leading up to this discussion. Um, what, what do you think the... Di- what do you think the drive is, Pastor Chris, for yes. the attraction to? Because I get it. I mean, people. Sure. The, the world is sinful. You know, they get it, it, there's a wearisome. People are weary with a sin around them. What is the attraction to this Benedict option that we're just going to leave it all and, and get out of here? Well, it's the attraction of protecting ourselves from the corruption of the world. It is our exhaustion with the insanity of sin. I mean, mm. you think about it. You know, you have in the New York State Senate uh, a um, a uh, abortion bill that is passed that allows for partial birth abortion, and people celebrate. Yep. You think about the Jack Phillips scenario, where a business owner not denying to bake for someone because of their sexual preferences, but saying, "I refuse to use my artistic uh, talents." to um, depict something that I don't agree with, and yet he is criminalized. You think Mm. about the pressures of living as a godly man or woman in an unholy world. I mean, Job had his soul, uh, I'm sorry, Lot had his soul vexed, the scripture says. So I get it. I get the attraction of doing that also as a parent. And man, does this come alive. I mean, you and I have more kids than we can count combined, <laughs> right? And the, and the reality is, is you love them, right? And I love my kids. And do I want to preserve them from the corruption of the world? Absolutely. But I have to also balance that this out with the fact that I'm called to raise them to be witnesses of his grace and glory in their generation. And I have to teach my kids how to be in the world and being righteous on one hand without being self-righteous on the other. And the only way that I can do that is to, is to process the evil of the fallen world that we live in through the lens of the biblical worldview, in constant conversations uh, with them. So, yeah, I get the attraction um, for those who are weary, for those who want to protect the next generation, but I also understand that the world needs us. And if we all retreat, what happens if everybody, every good person leaves one neighborhood? What happens to that neighborhood? It becomes a terrible neighborhood. That's right. If every Christian leaves the public square, what happens to the souls of our brothers and sisters? I'm grateful that the previous generation didn't withdraw because had they done that, maybe I wouldn't be here having this conversation with you. That's exactly right. I so appreciate your perspective, Pastor Chris, because you are ministering in the Detroit metropolitan area. You have thought, th- obviously, through this carefully. What, what does the passage mean to you in Luke 19 where Jesus discussed the fact that we need to occupy until he returns? 
Yeah, I mean, we are supposed to, again, I'll go back to Jeremiah 29, 7. It tells us to build houses in the community while the, the Jews were told, build houses while you're here, plant gardens, get married. And we have to live life, but we also have to understand that we are his ambassadors. We are his ambassadors. We are, our homes are embassies for him. They're lighthouses in a dark world. And so, yeah, we're supposed to be in these cities. And I said, and I said at our uh, conference, and you just reminded me of this uh, thought that God places cities in the hearts of his people and people in the hearts of his city. Think about it. Adam had Eden. Abraham had Canaan. Uh, David had Bethlehem. Jesus had Jerusalem. Paul said, I must get to Rome. That's right. Chris Brooks has Detroit. And the fact of the matter is, is that everyone needs to find their city and serve there. So I believe not only in the what of our calling, I do believe in the where of our calling as well. And so I encourage folks to find their where. Some people like yourself, the world is their parish. Others are called to be his witnesses in particular cities and find your where because your city is waiting for you. I love this. And friends, we see this historically as well, that the the church should not have survived the Roman Empire. I mean, when we look at historically nascent Christianity, the first 300 years of the church, um, there just were no logical reasons for someone to join the early Christian movement. And yet the Christian movement was irresistible, uh, especially in those first 300 years of the church. And, and there's a lot of reasons why. But one of the ways in which Christianity was made to seem ir- irresistible was the way in which the Christian movement changed communities and cities. Uh, the church historically has saw the, the, sli- the, the, the sigh of the oppressed as an opportunity to actually meet them in their point of need. Yes, giving them the eternal message of God's salvation in Jesus Christ, but also uh, working towards um, solving the societal issues. The church was extremely relevant. I mean, when you see that emperors are saying even these, like, uh, you know, even these Galileans care for the poor, or we, a Roman Empire said, we need to do what these Galileans do. They, they, even they care for the poor, not just the people that love them, but the people that don't. Uh, and by the way, that was a pejorative term to call them Galileans. And so <laughs> I think Pastor Chris is really showing us a great way forward. The message that he presented in Bay Harbor at the Colson event was how God has called us to these cities and how Christian, the Christian movement is good for urban cities and environments. So I want to encourage you to check out Pastor Chris's ministry, check out his radio show, definitely uh, tune in on Moody Radio Network and listen to the great work that he's doing there. Pastor Chris, for the pastors that are feeling called to urban communities specifically, mm-hmm. what are some immediate steps, resources, ways that they can be encouraged? Because it can be a very discouraged environment. I, I was just ministering um, outside of Boston in Brockton, Massachusetts, one of the boroughs of, of, of Boston. And Chris, for me, I just have to share with you that um, they brought together most of the pastors uh, from Brockton, which is a really hard area of Boston. Um, and it was like the light of Jesus was just a flicker there. Still there, um, but just a flicker. And, and, and they had me come to just say, Jeremiah, will you, will you minister to us about what can be possible if we'll all just come together in the name of Jesus? You know, what is possible when the Christians come together, even across denominations, um, and that was an eye-opener for me to see what the gospel was doing in that urban community. 
what's your message for those that are listening right now for ministering in ur- other urban areas? Well, first off, I, I want us to see broken uh, but beautiful cities as gold mines for Jesus. I want mm. us to uh, recognize that God wants to do a phenomenal work in every community. Part of our call, we preach such a glorious gospel. I think part of our call is to make sure that we remind people that the gospel works regardless of zip code that you don't have to relocate to a new town in order for the gospel to work for you. And I think so often we've uh, demonstrated that either intentionally or unintentionally that, man, this neighborhood isn't that great. So let me just kind of pack up and move so that I can experience the good life. Well, what if the good life could be experienced in every community? I think it can. Um, There's you've often said, man, we're in the golden, golden age of Christianity. Well, I think that uh, we're in the golden age of urban ministry as well. We got so many thought leaders that are out there that are doing great work. Obviously, our dear brother Tim Keller has done a great job writing about the importance of city ministry. Uh, I love Dr. John Perkins, one of my heroes of the faith, who has done such a great job. I can mention so many uh, evangelicals who've done a great job. Tom Skinner, who's no longer with us. Uh, 1970s has done a great job of preaching the gospel. You can Google names like Tom Skinner. You can also look up people like Tony Evans, Crawford Loritz. Um, and I've written a book, obviously, Urban Apologetics, yes. to equip people for this this work. But just know that moving uh, or doing uh, urban ministry is incarnational ministry. And what I mean by that is what people need, and, and this is regardless of city or context, I think this generation is looking more than just for well-preached sermons or well-curated ministries. They're looking for people who will embody the ethics of the gospel. They need to see a lived faith. And so if we're going to impact communities for Christ, be committed to not just talking to talk, but walking to walk. Be committed to living out the implications of the gospel in front of a watching world. And as we do, I believe that Christ will do what he's always done, and that is bring men and women to salvation and transformation. I love it, friends, and I want to just commend to you Pastor Chris Brooks' excellent book, Urban Apologetics, Why the Gospel is Good News for the City. You definitely want to add that to your library. Um, We're becoming more urban, not less. Is that right, Chris? We are. We are. 75% of uh, the world as a matter of fact, and when we think about where influence and culture happens, I think you would agree with this, Jeremiah, that if we had to write essays, and many have been, on the evangelistic approach of the Apostle Paul, he would go to the most influential cities because he knew this, that influential cities influenced other cities, and the influencers in those cities influence other people. Dwight L. Moody said that our cities are like hills and water runs downhill. And so we need to capture these cities for Jesus. I love it, friends. Uh, Pastor Chris Brooks, thank you for joining us today on the program. Will you you come back again in the future? I've just loved this dialogue. All right, friends, we're going to be back. I'm going to be tying up the program after this break. And again, don't forget, check out Pastor Chris Brooks. Check out Equipped with Chris Brooks, the radio show. Definitely pick up his book, Urban Apologetics. You're listening to The Jeremiah Johnson Show. We'll be right back. Welcome back to our final segment on The Jeremiah Johnston Show. I do want to encourage you to check out some conversations that I've had with Pastor Chris Brooks on his program. I've been on the Moody Radio Network the last several episodes 
called Theological Thursday. Um, Just this week, I talked about sin and salvation. We've talked about the Trinity. I'm going to continue to join him for Theological Thursdays on the Moody Radio Network. So I would encourage you to definitely check out that broadcast uh, where actually he's the host and I'm the guest and he's asking me questions for the entire hour and we're also taking phone calls. So please check that out. And if you missed any of this important broadcast today on why God loves cities and why God has called us to reach cities, definitely go back and check out the archive broadcast. As always, please connect with our ministry at christianthinkers.com. Check out the blog for this radio show on the Faith Radio Network website or on the Faith Radio app. By the way, have you listened to Faith Radio Network using the Alexa skill? I have. It's pretty cool. It's a lot of fun. You don't even have to touch anything. You can tell Alexa to play the Jeremiah Johnston show using the Alexa skill. It's a lot of fun. This has been a fun day, a great broadcast with a great man of God, Pastor Chris Brooks. I'm so excited to introduce him to you. Continue to pray for this dear brother and his excellent ministry. And stay in touch with the things we're doing at Christian. Thinker Society. And don't forget to like our Facebook page at Christian Thinker Society at Facebook. For example, I just posted 103 verses that teach the eternal security of the believer. So lots of great things to encourage your personal discipleship and your spiritual life. I'll see you next week. Thanks for joining us. God bless you. See you next time on Faith Radio Network. Hi, I'm Jeremiah Johnston. Thanks for listening to the podcast from The Jeremiah Johnston Show. I definitely want to hear from you, so if you have a follow-up question from today's program, you can submit it to me at www.askjjj.com. You'll also see how you can connect with us from there across social media. And don't forget, these conversations are available because of listener support. And you can make a gift right now to the Faith Radio Network at www.myfaithradio.com. And to avoid missing future editions of The Jeremiah Johnston Show, please subscribe to the podcast at iTunes. You can do a Google Play, RSS feed. And thanks for sharing this audio link with a friend and growing the impact of the program.